0: There is a story I want to share with you. Uh, You've heard it before. You've heard it a lot of times. Uh, This is from John Peterson translation. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. When I asked a friend in our church the other day to read it from this translation for the program we were doing, she said, oh, but I like the beauty of King James. I said, I want maybe the kids to understand what Peterson's saying. So uh, you know what? I told my wife you know, I don't know if she's going to, some of you know her. I said, I don't know if she'll do what I want, but I just have a feeling that even though we have a fit with each other about different things, that we know how to appease each other. From the second chapter of Luke, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the hostel. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had sat night watch watched over the sheep. Suddenly God's angels stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has been born in David's town. A Savior who is the Messiah and the Master. This is what you're looking for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once the angels was joined with a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in heaven's height, Peace to feed all men and women on the earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the shepherds talked it over. Let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they meet what the angel had said about this child. All who heard the sheep herders were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear deep within her. The shepherders returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly. The way they had been told. Now, I want to share with you a couple of stories, and they're some of my favorite stories around Christmas. And they, uh, I think, point to what, what we're all to be about uh, in Christmas season and uh, and throughout the year. Uh, Hopefully, we've all had a good Christmas. Didn't get any snow, but uh, maybe snow cream will come later. Uh, We uh, did have a lot of good time with family and friends. Uh, You've decorated the Christmas tree. You've probably decorated trees and trees and trees at home. Uh, Put up the lights. Uh, Had a good time with family and friends. Uh, Made and ate a lot of goodies. Just, you know, just fun time. Uh, We hear from people at Christmas, uh, friends and folks all across, I guess, across the country and whatever that we don't hear from at other times of the year. When we get those cards, we're always delighted to see them with how the children are growing and how life is changing. So we have a good time. And then we come to to the days following Christmas when the angels have gone away. What happens when the angels that have marked our Christmas celebration, announced the birth of the child, have gone back into the heavens? When they have moved away from us, what's left over? What did Christmas really mean? How did Christmas really get through to us? Uh, does Christmas make a difference? Will it make a difference in our lives? Oh, yeah, it rejuvenated relationships and it made us feel a little better and put on a little. But uh, what is left from Christmas? What, what do we have to hold on to? Over a hundred, about a hundred years ago, a man by the name of Henry Van Dyke wrote a story. And uh, the story uh, is published in, in a book, Interestingly enough, called The Blue Flower. And it has to do with the... Uh, the other wise man. You know the story? It's a wonderful story. It's a story of man by the name of Ardabai. Ardabai was the other wise man. He lived in a far different place, maybe like the Jews said. He was farther away than the other uh, magi, or stargazer, wise men were from, from Bethlehem. And apparently, as the story goes, he was to have met with the other three and have journeyed and traveled with them in search of of the star, because the star had appeared, and, and it meant something significant. And you know that's interesting how God sometimes intervenes and comes into our lives, not necessarily in the proper way. <laughs> Has God ever invade, invaded your life in a time and a place that you didn't expect to find God? Has God also, here I am, and you know, it's kind of those what do you call it? It's kind of those. Burning tree experiences and kind of those experiences when we are really called to be God imagers. You remember the burning bush? <laughs> you remember how God came to Moses by the burning bush and said, Get down to Egypt and set the children free. You're the one to do it. I'm counting on you. I believe you can do it. And you remember how God called this, this kind of flute playing kid and said, Hey, there's a giant out there, and I want you to go down there, and I want you to let him know who's boss. You remember how David went down to that giant? Put on God image became more than what we normally are as human beings. And have you seen any kind of God image experiences lately in your life? People who really became something more than who they normally are. Somehow God got in the midst of, of of things and and the world changed and life changed and maybe you find yourself doing things or having desires and interest in committing yourself to serving and caring and giving. That you hadn't really thought about for a while? Well, I maybe mean, they call it an impulse. It's not necessarily an impulse. God moves among us and God calls us, and we sometimes, and at certain moments in our life, reflect the image of God in ways we may not ordinarily But back to the blue flower and the other wise people. was to meet up with these three guys, and they were going to travel, the story says, Bethlehem. Now, Artaban had three jewels he had an emerald. Movie, a portal that he was going to take as his skills for this God knows. And so he starts out, the first thing he does he's getting on this long, desperate trail, and he's in a hurry because they just give a certain period of time for him to catch up with them that they can journey together. And here he is on this trail, and the first thing he does is out, almost dead, and along the and so uh, he looks upon and he thinks, Oh, now if I stop, that's going to delay me and they may go without me. But he stops. And he takes the poor sick man to get the attention and the care that he needs. And he takes out the emerald and he gives it to the folks and You take care of him. And you see that he has what he needs. And he goes on his way. Well, he discovers he's lost so much time. He's never going to make it. And he goes, They go on without him. But he treks on down to Bethlehem by himself, and lo and behold, he finds the hospitality of a, of a young mother and a small child. He's welcomed in their home, and she begins to explain to him the events that have happened, and how out back in a, a cave or a shed or something, a, a shack, a manger, that there was this couple came, and, and she gave birth to the little child, and then they just kind of disappeared into the darkness. And at the time, part of heard an emotion in the street, and he stepped to the street, and there's the king's men, murdering small children and he offers him the ruby in order for the, the leader of the garden to pass on the and to say there is no child. And then artaban learns something of the couple and, and, and they're having moved away to protect the child and he spends a lifetime 30 years of work traveling trying to find this special this special the anointing. And he journeys and he journeys, and finally we see him, oh, some 30-odd years later, when he comes to Jerusalem. It's a time of a religious festival, and there's something all stirred that they are in the process of, of crucifying the would-be king. He knows it's the one. It's the one he's been seeking for so long in his life. He thinks, oh, I remember. The curl, the curl can move of Adam. For my king. But just as he gets close to Golgotha, there's a young girl falls at his feet crying, being sold into slavery for the death of her dead father. And Artaban takes the girl and he gifts it for her freedom freedom from a life of misery and abuse. And about that time, an earthquake comes and Artaban is struck and he falls dying. His head in the young ladies on girls' lap, and he hears the words of the king. You've done it for others. And in doing it for others, you've done it for me. Art of at the king. You see, I think we're called to look at what and how. In the name and spirit of Christ, and there are many things that you're doing in the church, the evidence of of what I've learned here, that respond and respect and that move away from the fun things in some of the other parts of our lives in order that we can provide gifts and live lives that are becoming to the king. And then there's a second story. The second story is the story of a shoemaker. His name was Conrad. And the shoemaker had a vision. Art came to him in a prayer. And the vision in the prayer was that that the Lord of Christmas, the Christ of creation, would come and be his guest on Christmas Eve. Conrad's wife had died almost a year past. And he had lived with a sad, laugh to himself. So he got this kind of vision that came into prayer. And he said, Conrad, I'm coming to be your guest on Christmas Eve. And so Conrad began to stir around and clean up things. He uh, began to uh, decorate the place, put fur branches across the rafters. He put everything in order, waiting for that special guest. He made special tea. He made special soup. He waited, and he waited. And as he waited, there came a knock at his door. And there was a little bagger with uh, shattered shoes, all in rags, cold feet. And he invited him in, and he gave him a pair of shoes that he had just. And he invited me to sit down and they drank a hot bowl of soup together. And had fellowship tea. And the old woman. and what And Conrad waited in and thought, well, it's about time. Maybe he'll be here in a little while. And there was an old bagger woman come down the street, looking for scraps of wood to kindle her fire. And Conrad looked out and invited her in of the cove. And they had suit. And there was a beautiful shawl hanging next to the door. It was his wife's, and it had been hanging there ever since her departure. And so Conrad went and he took that warm shawl and he gave it to the beggar woman, and she went out. Conrad was a bit confused, he prayed, and he said, "Lord, did I misunderstand?" Is this not the day? Is this not the time that you said you would come? Lord, what happened? And with that, he heard the cry of a small child. And he went to the door, and there was a little girl, tossed from her family in the blistering, sweeping snow. She was crying. She could not find her way home. Conrad went, and he led her to the street. And he went safely to her family's door. He returned back home and he knelt down and he began to pray. Lord, I don't know my lips that I misunderstood. Half of them. And there was a voice that came that softly said, Andrea, three times my shadow fell across your floor. Three times I knocked at your cottage door. I was the banker you gave to Eve. I was the man with a cold crusade. I was the child of God. Thank God comes with us in unique and unusual ways. In the ordinary experiences of our lives, we don't have to look far for something spectacular, for something especially holy. For you see, these are the kind of gifts that represent the holiness of all holiness, that represent the intent God has for us and for our lives and for our communities and for our future. My prayers that God will bless you and that you will find opportunities to, to know and experience God's hope in the child.
1: There are many people in our world today
0: who need a ray of hope. There are many people who need, as we know, the basic things that we accept so easily. There are wanderers, there are refugees all over the world. The other day I read an inspiring account of a young couple who had planned a rather elaborate wedding, and they decided that rather than have the wedding, they would use the money and ask friends to give gifts in order to help with the resettlement Syrian families. they raised over $17,000 for the resettlement of one particular family. There are accounts all across news media, all across our church communication channels that provide us with opportunities. Oh, yeah. There are risks involved. Anything worth doing has a risk attached to it. You've risked yourself over and over. You risked yourself into a relationship a long time ago, didn't you? We tied the knot. We committed ourselves to each other. We bowed at the altar. We knew the fill of the water. We were reborn. We were made new. And we continue to be a part of that pilgrimage of faith that, in fact, the world will know who we are by the way we behave who we are committed to, are the of things that we do. May God bless you in this season of the year and guide you into the future. Thanks be to God.